Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. You're listening to the Inside Carolina radio show, sponsored by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Boys, it's our weekly podcast, and it's a basketball one this time. I know our listeners have had a overload of football news. Of course, it seems like every day there's something very interesting on the football side, but it's time to talk a little basketball. and Let's get the conversation started by uh, talking about Kobe White. Of course, the news that he was not, he will not play against UNCW uh, this week. Greg, I'll go to you first. Uh, Twitter question said, uh, am I being, un-, and this is a question from Twitter, not my question. Am I being unnecessarily uh, paranoid, for lack of a better word, worrying about Seventh Woods playing at least 30-plus minutes a game against UNCW? Greg, I'll let you go, and we'll just sort of knock it back and forth between the three of us. Yes, I think you're being paranoid. This is a game that concerns you. Um, I don't think UNCW is a team that has been very impressive this year. Uh, they're 4-5 and five on the season. This is a team that, that lost to Campbell. Uh, this is a team that lost by 20 to UNC Greensboro. They lost to Gardner-Webb by nine. Uh, and they lost to, to Davidson, although they played Davidson pretty strong. So this this is by no means a, a good team. Um, and I mean, you know, people say, well, look at Watford last year. Watford last year was a pretty good team. And this, this team is not quite at that level. Uh, CB's had a, a tough time getting this team to defend. I mean, even though they've played a relatively weak schedule, and typically you, a, a team like UNCW loads up on quality opponents early in the year for a variety of reasons, but paychecks are one of them. They really haven't done that this year. You know, Stanford is the, the best team they've played, uh, I think, or I guess Davidson probably is. But it's not a... Uh, it's not a, a schedule that is very impressive. And then when you look at you know, defensively, they're 303rd nationally in adjusted defensive efficiency. So all that to be said, I don't think it really matters if it's 7th Woods or Leaky Black that, that starts and plays the majority of the minutes at the point. Both those guys are going to get a lot of minutes. But from what we've seen out of 7th this year, I think this will be a, a good confidence boost game for him. I think it will be good for Leaky as well. And even without Kobe, I think North Carolina rolls pretty handily in this one. Ross, Greg's point is that UNCW is not that good, and it certainly doesn't sound like they are, and that defensive rating is <laughs> – I doubt too many people can name 100 college basketball teams, much less 302 um, in front of UNCW. But my response would be, yes, you're being overly nervous – because I think Seventh Woods has been pretty good this year. And I, I think at least when he was healthy to start the season, he was sort of a calming effect on the team when Kobe White was a little um, out there and a little bit out of control. But your thoughts in that regard, Kobe White out, Seventh Woods in, and or Leaky Black in heavy minutes at the point. Yeah, I think for UNCW, it shouldn't be a big concern based on what we know about the Seahawks. But w- next week, uh, 10 days from, from Wednesday is, is Gonzaga. And then a couple days later, 
is Kentucky. So if that's the concern, if if this Kobe White injury, and it seems like it's just a precaution if that injury is more serious than we think, but this could be a good thing in just getting Seventh Woods more minutes, getting Leaky Black more comfortable and getting a lot more time. I doubt Woods will play 30 minutes. No one's been averaging close to that so far this season. Um, you got to think that Leaky and Seventh will split time, and that's going to be good for their development, especially since Woods didn't play too much against Michigan and, of course, missed the two games uh, against uh, in Las Vegas against Texas and UCLA. What could be concerning is the lack of scoring because Kobe White is leading is the leading score for UNC right now with, with around 15 points. I think Luke, Luke May is right below him. And he's been the guy they've counted on for, for clutch shots when they needed it in Las Vegas. And he was one of the few guys who showed anything against Michigan. So the, the need for a scorer is going to be more concerning than I think a, a stable point guard uh, with, with Kobe White out on Wednesday versus UNCW. Certainly a good point there, Greg. We talked about it a little bit in the preseason uh, but the schedule is just weird. Now, I don't think you want to lay off like they've had after losing to Michigan, um, or maybe they do. Dewey Burke in our postgame podcast and off the air said they really needed to practice. So I would assume that they've gone pretty hard since that Michigan loss. But with this schedule broken up like it is, you got UNCW and then Gonzaga after a week and then another week you've got Kentucky I mean if if somebody's going to have some issues some health issues this is the time really to have them at least before Gonzaga comes to town yeah the the schedule is is so odd like you say I mean they played eight games in the first 22 days of the season and then they go 29 games or 29 days and only play four games so it is it is kind of uh, odd how it's set up that way and Roy has even commented on that. Um, but, you know, I think Dewey Dewey's right for sure that they need a lot of practice. No doubt about that. The The flip side to that, though, is kind of what you say. And when you have a, a bad performance like you had against Texas and Vegas and really a bad half against UCLA before they you know, played well in the second half and then just a, a bad effort in general at Michigan, you probably want to play pretty quick. Um, to kind of make some immediate corrections on the court and to, to have a little bit better feeling about yourself. Um, and Wilmington certainly will provide that, but that's all you've got until you've got two massive games with Gonzaga. Who I think Gonzaga, if they're not as good as Michigan, they're, they're right there with Michigan. I think Michigan's fantastic. And then you got Kentucky, which would be a, a height game in Chicago. Uh, so you, you've got to get a lot of practice in for sure. You you need more than one game probably against a team like UNCW to kind of build up that confidence. It's one thing Roy's always talked about. Tough schedules are good if you're experienced and you can win some of those games. But if you start kind of getting beat up, that can really, really hurt your confidence. And I think we saw the, the remnants of that a little bit uh, in Ann Arbor when just a lot of those guys seem deflated. And that's one of the reasons I think people said, ah, they don't look like they're trying as hard. Maybe because you know, the spirits knocked at them a little bit. But uh, certainly they can take advantage of the, the practice uh, forthcoming. But I think they need a good performance you know, against, against Wilmington to really, uh, really kind of turn the corner and be able to focus and, and lock down because you've got 10 days before Gonzaga comes to town. 
I agree with you. I, I thought Michigan was fantastic. I think they're very good. Gonzaga, of course, the only time I've watched them is against Duke. Uh, but they it look really good, and they haven't missed a step. So they'll come to town likely at the top or very close to the top of the polls, and Carolina will have their hands full. Ross, let's go to the next Twitter, uh, Twitter question. Alex Waycaster asks us, talk about the ridiculous ridiculousness of Roy Williams' wildly deep rotations when the numbers clearly show that the top seven or eight players um, are as or superior to other teams' top seven or eight. I'll let you start on that. I've got some thoughts on that. I think we're all going to agree on this one. I think anybody that has watched Carolina basketball under Roy Williams and even Dean Smith for ever um, would understand here. But, Ross, your thoughts on that question? Yeah, I mean, I get some fans' concerns with, with this because you know, they're – in a close game against Texas or UCLA or even Michigan and, and Andrew Playtech is, is out there to close out the first half and, and the other team goes on a run. So I get the concerns with certain players out there at certain times and it, you're kind of screaming at Roy to, to put in the better players. You got all the starters on the bench with Roy trying to, to prove a point. But I mean, this is what Roy does. It's just one of the things, just like not calling timeouts that he is, is very stubborn on. And, and to some extent, it gives guys a chance to prove what they can do. And I think it's important for college kids who can fluctuate so much and can be good one week and, and bad the next week and can have ups and downs and certainly develop in the season, in the offseason. You know, they deserve a chance to, to show if they deserve more time. A Brian Robinson, a Sterling Manley, um, some of the freshmen, um, of course, Andrew Playtick and guys like that. I think that's what he wants to do. He wants to get them ready, get them some real tough minutes, some, some tight minutes to show if they are ready for that. And then he'll know an ACC play, you know, if, if they're ready for, for, for bigger, for the bigger stage. And so I think that's what he does. Um, I think it, it's good for the morale of the team. So you don't have upset players. And obviously Roy has had a history of not many players transferring. And, and that might be a, a big part of that, that he, he gives freshmen and sophomores and maybe lesser players a chance to, to play. And that's kind of the strategy there. Um, I mean, we would, maybe if, if a, another coach would not have played Leaky Black as much, at this point in the season, of course, Roy did and has, and it's kind of paid off. And you, you kind of see that Leakey's going to be part of the seven or eight rotation moving forward into ACC play. Um, and, and as I'm sure Greg and you, Tommy, will say, this is going to be whittled down to more of a seven, eight, nine rotation by the time that the counter turns into January. Yeah, Greg, I mean, I said it off the air, I believe it you don't lose national championships in November and December. You might lose some games. And, of course, Carolina fans, I see some of the board questions when they've lost. Texas, I think, is going to end up being a a loss that probably shouldn't happen. But the Michigan game, Michigan's going to be one of the best teams they play all year. And so I don't think there's any really harm in losing to Michigan up there. Now, the way they lost is a different story. Um, but Greg, the rotations have always been like this. And then you come down to the wire in late February, March, and April. And it, like Ross said, it's narrowed down to seven or eight. And I still will never, ever forget Scott Cherry and Henrik Roto and those guys being on the floor in the national championship, 1993 and Billy Packer doing what Billy Packer does being the smartest guy in the room. 
criticizes Dean Smith for it, and it pays off Carolina wins the national championship. That doesn't happen if those guys and guys like that don't get opportunities in November and December. Your thoughts there, I think I would wager you might agree with me. <laughs> yeah, uh, wholeheartedly. And <laughs> yeah, the, the buzzword in college football since Nick Saban kind of elevated Alabama to the next stratosphere is talking about the process, right? We're, we're not worried about winning the game. We're worried about the process. And if you take care of the process, you'll win games. So Roy doesn't use those buzzwords, but that's what Roy's done forever. That's what Dean did. You you use the preseason, you use November, December to get your team ready to see what you have on your team so that then you can go into ACC play and figure out what you need to work on. And people are not going to like this, but the way last season ended, with Texas A&M beating Roy at his own game, we talked about this all offseason, because of that, even if he decides to go with a small lineup as his key lineup this year, which he very well may do that, it's trending that way right now, of course. But even if he decides to go that way, he's got to have guys that can play big down low in certain games. Because I don't care if you go small again and the small lineup's great. If you run into another team like that, maybe a team like Gonzaga, in the postseason, if you don't have those guys at least somewhat prepared to play, you're going to have a Texas A&M game all over again. And so I think this year, more than even in past years, Roy Williams is going to give those bigs ample opportunities, whether or not people from the outside think they deserve it because he wants those guys to have plenty of opportunities to get better, to be able to help this team, like you say, Tommy, when it matters. And it really doesn't matter right now. People want to win, of course, uh, but there's a reason that I think late in the Texas game, you had three freshmen on the court. And it's because you want to put them in those situations, number one, to see how they respond, but number two, so they, they get used to it. So when they have to do it in January, it's like, eh, I've done this 10 times before. Not a big deal. That's what you want. You don't want to you don't want to baby some of these guys. And then when you need them, say, okay, all right, go do it. And they're like, okay, I haven't really done this before. That's why he does what he does. And so the fact that it seems like year in, year out, we get to this time of the year, and we're, it's first week of December, and people are so upset about these big rotations Relax, settle down. You know, by the time we get to January, the rotation will condense. Uh, the guys that deserve minutes will be getting the bulk of the minutes, and and Roy will have a better idea of what will work for him, what will work for the team, and the guys that may have to play some will at least have a lot of experience, so they can actually go in and feel like they they know what they need to do and, and try to help the team. We're going to get more into the lineups and some Nasir Little talk and all those rotations. Obviously a hot topic uh, for this UNC basketball team. But first, I want to talk to you guys about HeelsTravel.com. It's a valued IC podcast sponsor throughout the fall. And right now we're pushing that trip to Chicago, December 22nd. It's a a two-night trip to see the Tar Heels take on the Kentucky Wildcats in the CBS Sports Classic. Call 336-855-006. 
zero or visit heelstravel.com. It's a big time trip. You get round trip airfare to RDU from RDU to Chicago's O'Hare Airport, transportation to and from the airport, and a two night stay in the Omni Chicago Hotel right there on Michigan Avenue, a really cool part of the city in the heart of Chicago. The UNC basketball team is actually staying right in that hotel, so it'll be a, a good way to kind of check out the heels in that way. The heels travel price and inclusions are, are cheaper than if you book the hotel directly. It's a two-night stay in Chicago and, and a great chance to see two probably top 15 or 20 teams now. So so head to 336, call 336-855-0060 or head to heelstravel.com. Talk to Chuck Joyce and book that trip today. We're running out of time for that trip, and it's a great thing to surprise a family member, a friend, your dad, your son, something like that. So get that done today. Now back to the podcast. I want to pose this question to Tommy and Greg. We've got a lot of buzz about it. Obviously a hot topic on the boards. But the Nasir Little not starting deal, at what point does Roy move to that small lineup? It's had some success. Clearly we know that Nasir Little – is a, a starter-type player, a starter-type athlete. He's a, a dynamic scorer. He's had some up and ups and downs already. So, Greg, and I'll let Tommy jump into, at what point is this move made? Do we see that uh, that smaller lineup move even made? And, and thoughts on kind of how that works out? Because I think it's kind of leaning towards that time, and we expected that to happen if things played out kind of like they have. Yeah, a couple of things there. Number one, I think Roy you know, always harps on this because he always goes back to 05 and says, look, you know, Marvin Williams didn't start. But he, and that's, that is what matters. And if you look at uh, what happened in Vegas, I think it was the two Vegas games, like the final seven minutes of one game and the final 10 minutes of the other game. Uh, and so that's a pretty clear indication that you know, he's going to be on the floor when it matters. Um, but let, let's talk about this aspect of it. You know, Roy, Roy mentioned the, the anecdote of, of being in Vegas and uh, about Nasir's struggles defensively. And he said he called Nasir over and said, hey, who, who are you supposed to be guarding? And Nasir said, I, I don't know. And as Roy said, well, the first part of being a, a good defensive player is knowing who you're supposed to guard. And so, I mean, these are these are young guys, right? And we know Nasir and Kobe, especially, have been through the AAU ranks, and they they played in all these All Star games, and they've gotten all this attention, and they have bright futures ahead of them. But the purpose of coming into college uh, and coming to UNC is to really learn how to play and, and how to develop the game. And so they're they're not finished products right now, and Nasir especially while he has so much potential, uh, there's some things that he's kind of get, kind of got to get uh, finalized and, and ironed out. And part of that is, is the defensive part of it. And so you know, it's one thing if he is a finished product and yet he's not starting, then I think you'd have a legitimate argument. Say, okay, w- really? Why, why is he not on the court? But I think it's also an opportunity for Roy to be like, look, you know, he's, he's not quite there yet. And you know, he's going to play when it matters. We're going to give him plenty of opportunities, um, but but I think that's that's part of it, and I think you combine that with what we were talking about earlier, and Roy's going to make sure he gives those those young bigs, those sophomore bigs, plenty of opportunities 
to kind of build that confidence and to develop and all those kind of things because they're going to need those guys too. Um, so there are a lot of different things that kind of come into play to this. And again, it's it's not a matter of making sure everything is exactly how it needs to be right now, right? You don't have to have your, your team peaking on December 4th. You want your team to peak in February and March. Roy Williams consistently has his teams do that. And so I, I don't, you know, if, if we get into January, late January, and nothing has changed, then we can really start kind of debating this and having a bigger conversation about it. But I think right now, uh, Nasir is trying to get better. Roy wants Garrison and Sterling uh, specifically to get a lot better in the post. So there's a lot of things that kind of go into this. And the other part, too, of course, is when we talk about the rotations being so big, you're kind of limited with how many minutes everybody gets. And so that's going to limit Nasir's minutes right now as well. Greg, you went where I was going to start. I mean, the rotations are so, uh, like you said, large, or, or there's a lot of guys playing, not many minutes. Uh, nobody's going to get a ton of minutes. I think Luke May is averaging, um, what is it, 28.9. I'm looking at the stats. Nasir is 19.5. Kenny Williams is 26.4. So nobody's playing a ton. A couple things. One, Nasir Little uh, against Michigan was not good. and uh, I think he would admit that. I think anybody that was watching that game could see that. Uh, that is a game that he needs to be good in for North Carolina to have a chance to win, in my opinion. Michigan's the type team that a small lineup, um, you know, they have some bigs, but I felt like Carolina could have done some damage with a small lineup if everybody was totally engaged. Kobe White appeared to be the only guy completely engaged. And Nasir was one of the ones that wasn't for whatever reason. Also, uh, Roy Williams expects his freshmen to be uh, as good as they're supposed to be as, as far as, like Greg mentioned, the de- the defense, the intangible stuff, the things like that. I, I think folks forget that at other schools, freshmen play a lot more and start a lot more because – I don't think they're required to do as much as Roy Williams requires them to do. And that's why you see somebody like, you know, Marvin Williams or or some of these guys that are, they develop, they may stay longer, but they develop and get better. And so I think Roy Williams demands more and he's going to get more before he gives that starting position up to Nasir Little. That being said, um, and I, I think it's coming sooner than later. I don't think we get to mid to deep January and it's not happening because Garrison Brooks um, has been, what did Roy say, Greg, in that post game, uh, maybe against UCLA or one of those teams, he said he's been dependable. He wants them to be more than dependable. And I think that's why he's going to eventually be supplanted by, by Nasir Little. And Sterling Manley, and we mentioned a little bit off the air, he is really, really struggling. And that's a nice way to put it. I mean, I thought he made huge strides last year during the season. He got, he he did some things during the end of the season that made you say, wow, you know, season of off season of training, of weightlifting, he's going to come back and he's going to be a monster. And it just hasn't happened. Now, one of those moves um, where he dunked on like three guys in the lane and they caught a walk on him, which wasn't a walk on that particular play. That's what I expected to see more from him 
this season. And that just hasn't happened either. Um, so Ross toss in your opinion. I mean, I, I think it happens sooner than later, but I, it's not going to happen until Roy Williams thinks a it's deserved and B has no other choice. That's just yeah. my thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just so frustrating. I think for a lot of fans and, and maybe some media as well to just see that much talent, just not being as free maybe on the court as you would like it, at times. Uh, I think Greg will agree that you see a little is a little bit lost in the offense and maybe that's not all him. Maybe that's just kind of how the offense is going right now. Cause he, he has a skill set that, you know, he, he needs space. He needs the ball in the right places. And him just dribbling on the perimeter has not worked for him offensively. He needs to be, you know, given the ball at the top of the key where he can take two dribbles and drive or he can opt for a jump shot or in transition. He, he's very skilled as well. Um, what I worry about is the confidence of a, of a Garrison Brooks and Sterling Manley taking a, a hit if they get reduce minutes and and onto the and, and bench essentially for this year little because they're definitely going to need Brooks and Manley at times throughout the season we saw how good Brooks was against Duke in the ACC tournament last year he's been good this year he's one of the better players in the court against Wofford um, I think he's a crucial member of this team um, but I just would like to see Nasir flash and show what he can do and flash that athleticism and explosiveness that Roy always talks about throughout the um it, 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 consistently throughout the game uh, more so than we've seen so far and against these lesser opponents and, and there's only a couple more left until it's all going to be acc opponents uh he has a chance to do that and get more comfortable so we're still waiting for that breakout game we've seen moments here and there and i think kobe white had that break breakout game against texas and followed it with 19 against ucla we're still waiting for just it to kind of click for this year a little maybe we're just Maybe that's not going to happen. I mean, maybe it's just a, a guy that, um, you know, he's going to be a, a, maybe a 12-point guy for the whole career and then go to the NBA, and then maybe it just doesn't all finally click for him. But there's so much basketball to be left for him, and he's going to get better and better. So I think that's still definitely there for him, kind of jumping to conclusions here at, uh, at eight games into the season. But, uh, Greg, you got, uh, you got something else to pose for us? Yeah, just we, we've talked a lot in years past about – uh, kind of the, the alpha dog concept. And, and Joel Berry, I think, was a perfect example of that. Like he was a little bit undervalued during the, the title run, uh, but, of course, played incredibly well and, and led the team in the uh, in the championship game that, that Final Four weekend, um, as well as the, you know, the, the year before. Um, and he, he he quantifies that, that kind of alpha dog, right? I mean, we talked about... You know, back in the day, you had guys like Felton and, and Rashad McCants who kind of had that mean streak in them. Um, Harrison Barnes, to to, to an extent, kind of had that, that mental approach. Uh, John Henson had it a little bit. But you can go back through the years and you have those kind of guys. Um, does this team have that type of player? Because you, you've got Luke, you've got Kenny and Cam, who really are the leaders of this team. And they're all very smart. They're all uh, incredibly nice guys. They work hard. Um, but does this team need one of those freshmen to step up and kind of be the, the hard ass? Or can this team succeed and reach kind of the lofty aspirations that a lot of fans have um, if 
if you don't have that mean guy, if you don't have a guy like Hansborough who's just so determined and that he can kind of will his team to victory, do you have to have one of those? I, I think I think you do. You know that I think you do. And I think every good ter- Carolina team has had that and had more than one. On this team, I think it's Kobe White at the moment. Oh, I mean, uh, I agree I mean, completely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've heard uh, from people that Coach Williams has a, a Hansborough love for Kobe White because that is how he plays. The question is, can that be from a freshman and the team succeed, especially a team that's dominated by or, or that has upperclassmen? You have basically, you got two uh, freshmen three if you count leaky back, and then you've got three seniors. Can you have that mix and it work? And I'd be interested to hear you what you think on that, Ross, because I think Kobe White's clearly that guy. I think Nasir Little, um, if he gets it going, can be that guy. But I think all year, and we're at, what, December 4th, eight games in, I think the entire season, that guy's going to be Kobe White, period. Yeah, I, I think it – I think it – we saw in Vegas it is, and I think it's going to have to be. I think no one, unless Luke, you know, changes because he hasn't been that spectacular so far. I mean, I think Kobe can just score in bunches. And that's what that need, this team needs, kind of that alpha score. Winning means a lot to Kobe. Uh, we've seen that in some interviews. And, you know, he's all about the team. He, he seems like the perfect point guard and, and has some leadership qualities, kind of a quiet leader that everyone enjoys to be around. And man, I don't remember a UNC player, maybe since Marcus Page, who could just knock down threes like he did at Vegas and kind of has that confidence of just being able to take over a game. Um, and you know, Luke May showed some of that last year. Um, but if Kobe White can can play any anywhere close to what he looked like in Vegas, that's gonna be a huge positive for the team for this team, and they need him. That's why um, it's so important that he gets back to health for for the last part of December. But uh, I think, yeah, I think it, it can be Kobe White. I think Cameron Johnson's been been pretty good, quietly been really good. And if they can get Luke May to to score more consistently, because he's been okay, and even Kenny Williams to get to that maybe 10-point range, his team will be okay. Because I think we'll get more out of Nasir Little um, as he becomes more comfortable, like we talked about before. Yeah, Nasir Little's averaging 12 points a game. Yeah. We're and, ragging on we're ragging on this guy, but he's doing all right. Yeah, I mean he he's he hasn't been as flashy as some people expect, but you know the game he scored twenty one, twenty two points. I mean it didn't look like he'd done much. He just got buckets, and uh, Kobe White does it more flash. But Greg, let me ask you it's sort of a, a follow up to your question after our answers is: Can this North Carolina team be as successful as people think they should be? And people think they or people expect them to be with a freshman with one of these freshmen being that alpha dog that you talked about. Yeah. And I think if anything, if, if people were listening to this podcast or eight games in and it's, it's clear to everyone that this team continues to be a work in progress. Now we knew coming into the year, it was going to be a work in progress. We weren't sure how, how long it was going to take for Roy Williams to kind of mold this thing together. Um, and I think indications are right now he's got a ways to go. And that's one of the things like, like Dewey had mentioned, 
And this team needs to practice. Uh, now that they have eight games under the belt, they really need to get into the gym and, and kind of work with each other and figure out what is Nasir's role? What is he? Is he going to be like a legitimate four in the modern game right now? Is that what North Carolina needs from him? Can he flourish as a three if you've got Cam Johnson at the four? Um, what does Luke May need to do to find the scoring potential you know, that he had last year? And now that Theo Pinson's not on the court, uh, wh- where does his opportunities come from? What you know, Can Kobe White, like you mentioned, can he be that alpha dog? Is he comfortable being that role and, and taking the, uh, the spotlight away from the big guys? Because it's one thing for him to have a great game where he lights, lights up Vegas, uh, but is he, is he comfortable taking that approach game in and game out and kind of being the guy? That's easier said than done. And so there's a lot of things here that have to come into play. I mean, what happens with the rotation? You know, is Garrison Brooks and Sterling Manley, are they going to demand minutes? Right now it doesn't look that way, but maybe if they have good games against Gonzaga and Kentucky, maybe that, that answer is a little bit different. So there's a lot of different things in play here. Um, do I think you know, a freshman can fill that void? Sure. Uh, you know, Hansborough kind of did it his freshman year. But you know, there wasn't many upperclassmen on that team. Right? You had David Noel, and that's really about it. And so it's a challenge. But I don't think Cam or Kenny or Luke are the type of guys to, to be offended by that and for that to be an issue. So if Kobe or Nasir is, is eventually ready to take that role and say, you know what, this is my team. I'm going to carry this team. I don't think those guys would have an issue with that, provided Kobe and Nasir can back it up. So – all that to be said, we have we we got a long way to go with this team. Uh, they have to develop and improve a lot in the coming weeks, uh, and a lot of that may be behind the scenes with the with the practice schedule and the fact that there's only four games here in December. Good stuff, Greg. Before we get into a little bit of football talk at the end of this podcast to close it up, I want to talk about Jersey Mike's. I was actually at Jersey Mike's on Elliott Road today. And Luke May walked in, and if he had used the code HEELS15, him and his girlfriend would have gotten 15% off their online order. Um, so, yeah, so head to, to, to Jersey Mike's at Chapel Hill. It's the, one of our favorite sponsors here at the IC Podcast. We were driving through Chapel Hill in town for a meeting, in town for a game. Um, go to the one of the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, Chatham County locations and use the online code HEELS15 to get 15% off your order. Super easy. I've done it a couple times already. JerseyMikes.com backslash order. It shows all locations. You find the one closest to you. Click order. Pick your favorite sub. You got the original Italian. You got the meatball, steak and cheese, the big kahuna. And then at checkout, enter the promo code HEELS15 and get 15% off your whole order. Skip the line. Head straight to the register. Grab your food and you're on your way. It's super quick. I've loved doing it before games and at halftime and stuff. And it's been really quick and they're really good about it. Do it today. Place an online order at one of the five convenient Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and now Chatham County locations. They're all off the interstate and main thoroughfares in the area, and it's a super easy process. Just remember the code HEELS15, order online, and pick up your sub. So now, if, if you all don't mind, I think it's time for a little, little football talk to close out the show. we got a couple football questions um, to ask. And, you know, I hadn't really talked about the Mac Brown hire with you, Tommy or Greg. And now we're 
uh, I guess a week from the opening press conference, but the news broke today of Anthony Ratliff-Williams declaring for the draft. That definitely changes some things on the football side of things. And uh, and just in general with, with Mac getting in, uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame tonight and, of course, some uh, offensive and defensive coordinator hires uh, coming down the line maybe in this week or so, I, w- I would love to get kind of y'all's two thoughts on Mac a week after because the message boards have been rocking. It's been super intriguing to follow follow all the different hires and news that come down. So, so Greg, what do you think a weekend now to this this Mac Brown regime? Well, the the key and and Buck talked about this in one of his columns is is that Mac won the press conference. No doubt, that's what he does best. Uh, he, he has a way of of glad handing with people around the program and with boosters. Uh, he, he, the fact that he makes a point to repeat media members' names so that he can learn them and to make the the answer personal. And Ross, I assume you noticed this as well, but you know, during the Q and A session, when you asked him a question, he looked right at you and would answer your question, and that is engagement, right? And so that's why he wins the press conference. He engages the fan base, he engages the boosters, he engages the media. That's critical. And so now, while you've got this this period of, of time before the, the signing day, the first one, December 19th, and then, of course, the traditional one in February, if he can steal a few recruits, maybe a Sam Howe or somebody like that, then he'll effectively win the recruiting period because nobody expects him to flip everybody. But if you can steal a few guys that are high profile, that provides a boost of, of confidence. So now you pretty much have nine months of optimism that you can use as fuel for the program. Um, and so I think that's kind of where, you know, of course, the, the coaching hires will play a part of that. Uh, but I think everything from the get-go has been has been positive. Now, how does that play out? You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, if he takes kind of that CEO role and he, he has dynamic coordinators in place, then it's going to be, it's going to be smooth sailing. And I think they're going to win early. They're going to win next year. They'll be able to, to recruit like crazy. And I think this thing will kind of get, get, get rolling. But if for some reason the coordinators uh, don't, don't work out the way that, that maybe uh, people around the program hope, uh, then you're going to start saying, okay, well, how's he going to handle this this dynamic? What is his vision really like? But again, all that's nine months down the road before we see the results of that. So uh, if he can if he can win some recruiting battles here shortly, you've got an entire offseason of, of optimism, and that's really what this program needs right now. The fact that Greg knew Sam Howell's name, the guy that doesn't really call, call, follow recruiting, shows how important <laughs> – Getting Sam Howell is, uh, and that that news will come at some point between now and December nineteenth. I think the the two hires for defensive coordinator, offense coordinator, are huge. And of course, we all see the names on the message board, and there's I think there's a combination of one or two there that are would be really good, and mostly the young options that have been at some big places and showed and proven they can do some stuff would be massive. And uh, I do like the idea of the CEO with some dynamic coordinators handling the football on the field aspects of things and letting Matt kind of oversee it, delegate, close out on some recruits, and uh, and let his his coaches do the stuff. I love the Brewster hire, a proven recruiter who knows how to win big at, at, at big stops. Uh, turning things now to Tommy, who's been on the Mac train early and often 
the last week and a half. Um, any initial thoughts this week? Obviously, it's the the board has been rocking, uh, anticipating different hires, and the whole Greg Robinson thing was pretty crazy time to be on the the Tar Pit Premium Message Board. But your just thoughts right now, uh, a week after the the Mac era began. You know, it's funny. I slack Ben. And I think my quote was, yeah, everybody's loving Mac until um, he hires somebody folks don't like or they lose to South Carolina. And I think the very next day, the Greg Robinson stuff came down and people lost their minds, uh, to put it politely. But, you know, I, I agree with everything Greg said and about the press conference. I was not there. I know both you guys were. He he connects with people and I think that's why he is is successful and people always speak to that portion of his personality I think it'll help on the recruiting trail I think he might be um, a little late with some of the crowd that folks have really talked about um, that may be committed to another school more close but I think that'll start paying off and pay dividends in a hurry. Uh, the coordinators are going to be important. I probably I got a text as we're sitting here, somebody saying, why in the hell hadn't hired a coordinator yet? And, uh, you know, by the time folks listen to this, maybe that's done. But it, it's just been a whirlwind. And it's crazy to think that sitting in Keenan Stadium watching Carolina lose to NC State to, like, in front of nobody, like friends and family, and then 48 hours later, literally 48 hours later, people are all in on Carolina football again. It's crazy how it works. Um, you know, I got people telling me I've ordered my season tickets already and all this. I, I think that's why the Mac Brown hire was important. And that's what I've talked about on these podcasts, um, you know, and telling Jason Staples, that's why the coaching needs to be done by the coordinators and the staff and Mac certainly has experience there and can do that, but he's much more than a football coach for North Carolina football right now, I think. So yeah, I, I like the hire. I like it for a variety of reasons. It's going to be interesting to see the coordinators that are hired. You mentioned that Anthony Ratliff Williams. Look during the season, you do what's best for the team in the off season. You do what's best for you. And he thinks going the NFL route is best for him. You can't hate the kid for doing that. I mean, I hope he does well. He deserves to do well. You're right. It does change the dynamics with the team a little bit, but I think the one thing that Carolina does have is some skilled athletes. They need to get some trench fighters. And uh, I think Mike Brown's number one thing over the next three months until we get to the February signing day is to get some of those guys in the fold and then like greg says you do that and the momentum through the spring and over the summer is going to be as good as it's been for north carolina since uh 16 2016 so that's where i stand inside carolina is crazy during this time and yeah it's, uh, i mean yeah just look at the traffic numbers on google analytics it's just it's crazy how much buzz that hire has made with people just kind of waiting for Greg to break some more news, to pop some more coordinators and things like that. Um, and I, Greg made a great point about Max, just personality of, of him repeating, you know, the names of the reporters. It, it just is a, a small touch that 
carries a lot of weight. You can imagine him in recruiting rooms with grandmothers and moms and dads. I was actually talking with a guy I work out with whose father-in-law coached with Mac and, and discussing how Mac recruits. He has such a – this is what he told me this morning. He has such a good memory of knowing everybody's name on the recruiting trail, you know, girlfriends, um, uh, parents, grandparents, you know, how's your how's your kids, how are your friends. He has that really great memory that pays off and makes that really good first impression. That's why a lot of people consider him one of the best recruiters uh, that, around right now. And it's crazy to think that Roy Williams and Mac Brown are both Hall of Famers and both have won national championships. And they're kind of both finishing out their career in Chapel Hill. Um, Max seems he's so charismatic and seems like he's gonna have a big influence in terms of the positive feelings around the program. He almost feel has that kind of presidential feel, and that's kind of the vibe I got him because I'd never been around him in person and hadn't really followed any of his time much at Texas or before that at Carolina. So that's my take as well. Um, and Anthony Rather Williams to kind of throw in my analyst role certainly is not a great thing for the football product, but. Um, you know, you got to do what's best for him. I think he has a chance to make a roster. He's super athletic. I think he could have benefit benefited from a better quarterback. You know, he has two quarterbacks, so kind of Chaz Surratt and then uh, Nathan Elliott for a season and a half. If he could get another year with Jace Reuter or Cade Fortin, it could have done wonders for his stock. But he is super talented, definitely, definitely can extend the field. That's something that UNC had missed this season and could use next season. But I'll turn this over to you, Tommy, to close this out. Yeah, let me uh... – yeah, I want to ask Greg this, and, and I don't want to – we're not trying to make any news on this podcast or anything, but Greg, obviously the coordinator hires are the next in line. But in your um, estimation or so, when do you think Coach Brown will have his staff complete? I mean, it's he's been on the job uh, eight days. But your thoughts on when maybe all of the positions will be locked up. you still got strength and conditioning out there. you still got OL – offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, um, and maybe one other there. Just, you know, have you done any research looking at other coaches? I mean, I've seen them drag on for a long time, but with the early signing period, do you think Brown and the rest of the guys he's already hired want to get them filled much sooner than later? Yeah, of course. And like you said, that that December 19th recruiting signing day is is pivotal and that's that's kind of changed the landscape of of hirings i mean it used to be there was no rush right i mean you could uh, theoretically you could wait until january and that when that recruiting period opened back up the the dead period switched to the quiet period to really start recruiting and then you had you still had four weeks uh, that's that's no more and so you know i think i think kind of the, the best way to say it is right now they're trying to ham, hammer out some some deals with coordinators and then once those coordinator positions are filled, there are other guys that that Mac and his staff uh, have already talked to. Mac and, and Mac and Bubba have already talked to, and I don't want to necessarily say they've got them lined up, uh, but they're guys that you know, once the coordinators are signed, the coordinators will get final approval. And I think once those coordinator hires are made, this thing will wrap up pretty quickly. Now you may not have every single hire but there are a couple sitting there that I think probably are, what was it, Everett used to say, um, sitting on G, waiting on O. Um, and, I, and I think I think that's kind of where they are right now. So once you get those those coordinator positions finalized, which hopefully will happen this week, the next couple of days, uh, then you'll go into, okay, 
you got another two or three assistants named, and then you're really kind of set for recruiting. Um, and that final position or two, maybe a special teams coordinator, uh, something like that, is not such a, a dire need as long as you got the core components of that staff in place so you can really attack you know, the final two weeks of the recruiting period. Indeed, good stuff, Greg. Of course, the we've done a right many podcasts over the last week, 10 days, two weeks about Mac Brown and his staff, potential staff, and our thoughts on them. And uh, it's good to talk to you guys together. Like you said, Ross, we, we haven't talked about it as a trio. Um, so uh, while it started as a basketball podcast, it's going to end as a football podcast. But that's, you know, that's good for North Carolina that both sports, both of the big sports are um, active in folks' minds, especially this time of year, because it would have been easy to not even think about football until some point in 2019. Not so with Mac Brown as the head coach and as Mac Brown as the CEO. Ross and Greg, as always, boys, I appreciate y'all taking time to join me. Look forward to y'all's coverage of North Carolina and North Carolina Wilmington tomorrow night. Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. 